Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the fourth episode of Center Stand, the motorcycle industry podcast. It's brought to you by the Progressive International Motorcycle Shows, and uh, we are going to talk about something that we have been talking about for a long time, and that is facing our challenges, aging out of a core demographic, bringing newer riders in. We're going to talk about marketing strategies and how to reach younger demographics. Uh, this is a drum we've been beating for a long, long time. So I want to bring in a couple of players with some different perspectives. And what's really cool about this is these are not folks that usually are in front of an audience in a big way. So I want to thank our friends, for, um, JP Stacy from Match Marketing and Grant Loganbaugh from Janus Motorcycles. Thanks to both of you guys for joining us today. So I'm gonna dive right in. JP, you're on the hot seat first. Uh, match marketing is not match.com. I just wanna <laughs> I just wanna get in front of that right now. If it were match.com, I'd be requesting a refund and maybe where I could send some expense reports, but it I, is not. Yeah, I think if I had a nickel for every time I was asked that I'd probably be making a lot more money than I'm making right now. But no, right. we're not not match.com. I just wanted to I just wanted to knock that one out of the way right away. But uh, um, give us a little bit of a uh, background for you in the power sports industry and what Match Marketing Group brings to this conversation. Sure. So. Um, Back in 2007, we connected with BRP. It was one of the first power sports companies that we represented, and we were working on the launch of the Can-Am Spider. And previously, before that, for about a decade, you know, we were primarily marketing experiential in the lifestyle, CPG, and entertainment categories. Um, but quickly after that, we launched the the demo tour for Spider in 2008, and we were pretty quickly propelled into that tight-knit industry, which is, as we know, motorsports. So we started to begin with, um, to meet with a lot of other brands. We started marketing for the full line of BRP products, worked with Harley, Polaris, Indian, Yamaha, and Progressive Motorcycle Insurance over the years, which has uh, kind of definitely sent us through a shoot to meeting a lot of other industry leaders and professionals. Um, and Progressive is unique because they're a leader in the industry being number one in motorcycle, but they don't really compete with the other OEs in the space. Um, so through our work with them and their sponsorships, we've actually been super fortunate to connect with a lot of other industry leaders, partners, and um, helping facilitate some B2B partnerships as well. So to bring that around to our audience, if, uh, if you guys have been to an IMS show recently, more than likely you've seen Flo's Chop Shop. So that's not something that, uh, you know, an intern over at the Progressive Insurance Company came up with and whipped together. That's something that a marketing company, Match Marketing in this case, put together. Uh, and that's to appeal to attendees. And you're trying to sell a product that, frankly, is not that exciting, right? I'm going to sell you insurance, right? That's tough. So how well does that, how well did Flo's Chop Shop work in reaching um, the demographic you guys wanted to? Man, it, it, was, it was awesome. Um, it's actually kind of kicking us in the butt right now because every time that we pitch a new program, we're always like sh overshadowed by, is this gonna be as good as Flo's Chop Shop? The bar is set so high that it's actually really, really hard to concept new strategies for a progressive motorcycle, even though we are adapting on a regular basis. Um, but, you know, when when we first started working with Progressive, 
uh, that was the challenge, as you mentioned, Rob. It was like, we don't have a product that we can put on a pedestal. And we're in a sea of other OEs and big leaders that have really sexy products and flashy colors, and you can feel the power beneath you. Um, how are we going to connect with this audience? And the other challenge was the brand itself isn't necessarily culturally intertwined with with motorcycling audience, right? Like we're a, a playful or they're a playful, fun, family-friendly brand. Um, so we had worked with Progressive for a number of years working on uh, how we were going to sort of evolve that. And we figured we need to get to the roots of, of what's driving this culture. That's the um, black, gray, and white colors. That's the skulls. That's the kind of raw grittiness of this community. And going back to utility, that's that's what we provide is basically as an agency, how can we get that service and that product to, to be a utility for those people at the events? And when we looked at, at rallies and motorcycle events as a whole, one of the biggest gaps we saw were, you know, people were riding from miles away, um, long distances, camping. They didn't necessarily have access to things like uh, frequent showers and boot shines and beard trims and all those things that, that we kind of uh, invested in making this one flows chop shop sort of uh, a unanimous experience of utilitarian access for those customers and, and attendees. So that's kind of the the background for how we came up with that model. And as you know, it toured for five plus years, uh, even built a brick and mortar in Sturges for, for it. And we've seen a lot of other brands <laughs> copy us in the past as well. So I think that would be a good um, sort of feather in our cap on that one. So that explains how a marketing company is relevant into motorcycling. Um, to go right into the OEM side, I want to bring Grant Loganbaugh into the conversation here. Grant, I'm going to put you on a pedestal. We're going to explore your raw grittiness. Um, and uh, tell us, uh, uh, Janus is a motorcycle brand that not everybody knows, but I think I actually think a lot more people know about the brand uh, than may be uh, obvious it. yeah uh, so they're helping you keep it a secret i don't know if that's good or not but uh, uh talk to us a little bit about uh your role at janice and um and what that motorcycle is all about yeah well uh thanks for having us on first off uh it's exciting to um talk shop uh my role i am uh, general manager of janice motorcycles right now uh that's pretty new i've uh, got into janice uh through photography actually so uh thanks for putting somebody that likes to be behind the lens uh, kind of in front of the camera today we uh appreciate that um we uh i kind of got into it through uh creative direction and photography website design uh then my partner jordan who does all of our video here uh we became their marketing department so we've uh slowly been uh, growing over the last, oh, Janus has been around since 2011. For the first uh, handful of years, it was a uh, couple of co-founders, Richard and Devin, uh, making 50cc six-speed water-cooled two-strokes. And that was kind of the first time they made a splash in the motorcycle industry. Before then, it was mostly custom mopeds, high-performance moped parts, which uh, I thought was an oxymoron before I met them. Um, mm -hmm. High performance and moped would <laughs> go in the same sentence. But, uh, that showed how, much, showed how much I had to learn. And uh, uh, fast forward to now, we uh, to present day, we make um, we're making about six bikes a week, and we're primarily a manufacturer. So we're a direct to consumer manufacturer at the moment. Uh, that could always change as we grow, but it's working really well for us, and it's especially worked well for us this year. 
uh, we're having a lot of fun uh, making a bike just the way the customer wants. Uh, it's all built to order. We don't have any inventory anywhere, which uh, I would I would love to have a couple bikes to r roll off the lot uh, <laughs> uh, every day, but they only last about 24 hours when we do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got to say, on, you know, <laughs> with your marketing, with your marketing roots, you guys killed it on Facebook advertising. I mean, yep. every time I logged on, I was just flooded by Janice ads. Yep. I I learned so much about the brand um, through that kind of uh, interaction. So you definitely know how to talk to an audience. So talk to us a little bit about your customers. Mm -hmm. um, are they millennials? You got? Do you have any Gen Z customers? Are they just you know super old dudes with long white beards? What's the what's the vibe over there? All of the above. We have a uh, everything from a uh, let's see. Probably our youngest customer right now was a the daughter of a uh, MSF safety instructor uh, in Indianapolis. Uh, it was her first motorcycle she got when she was fifteen, all the way up to seventy uh, somethings and. Uh, <laughs> and beyond so we uh, uh let's see i would say that um we track we hew pretty closely to distribution through uh through the motorcycle industry in terms of who we sell to that said uh i think we appeal to a different kind of uh customer uh, based on a number of factors that i can kind of dig into but the um i would say probably oh you know five to ten percent of our customers are or maybe even 15% of them would, um, I'm trying to even think of the generational uh, boundaries for millennial versus Gen Z versus Gen Y. Uh, sure. I'm an old millennial <laughs> and uh, we've got uh, a good, uh, I don't know, probably 15% of our customers are like me. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got folks that work in breweries or they live in cities. Uh, and then probably another 15% of the, our customers or maybe up to 40% of our customers are have aged typically aged out of motorcycling. So they come to us because they want to extend their riding life too. So we're kind of uh, working our way, <laughs> uh, pushing out the, the typical uh, riding lifespan of a, of a typical motorcyclist by trying to skew younger and trying to skew older because of the, the way the bikes are made. Uh, we kind of approach the market from the bottom end rather than uh, high performance custom manufacturers or uh, you know, they kind of come from the performance world and they enter the mass market world. We come from the opposite side and we say, look, there's a lot of fun to be had on a uh, lightweight, small displacement, good looking bike. And that's what, uh, that's our philosophy. We want to, we want to give people a different sense of joy. And it's that uh, lightweight and small displacement. And I think that inherently the product appeals to different folks. Right. And I think, uh, you know, if anybody doesn't know what a Janus motorcycle is right now, I'd ask you to please get your head out of the sand. But the, they are uh, definitely retro inspired. Yeah. I mean, they, they have a vibe right out of the teens and 20s, that kind of thing. Um, you know, hint of board tracker. Yeah, hint of, was a hardtail. So. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. that that uh, is uh, niche on niche, you know, given that it's uh, even a custom motorcycle. So when you order this thing, you pick out your colors and your different features. And we're used to that up in the 20, 30, 40, $50,000 range. Um, but, uh, you know, down towards um, this other end of approachability is really interesting. So um, how are you, how is the conversation different for you guys with a with somebody on the younger end of the spectrum versus somebody on the older end of the spectrum? Or is it? Yeah, that's a good question. The uh, as a whole, because we are a manufacturer and because we do not have 
uh, dealerships or uh, a, a wide audience yet, we don't really take anything for granted. So we start at foundational sort of, uh, like Robert, you said you've, you've seen plenty of our Facebook ads and videos, and we start from kind of the basics. We just say, here's how we make them, and here's how you ride them, and here's how you take care of them. That's part of our marketing package is the kind of the support videos, and we really focus on the foundational, uh, what people want to learn from us and what people want to hear about and what our value is to the customer. Uh, it's really simple um, and we're not, uh, just like in our motor motorcycling designs, we don't reinvent the wheel and we haven't really reinvented anything in terms of marketing. In fact, we've probably uh, uh, really strip it down to just simplicity. You know, it's the first date, you wanna learn learn the person's name before you, <laughs> you ask them on a second date. And yeah. that's, that's still where the, I, I still believe that's where we're at in our in our uh, kind of our brand arc. Uh, hopefully, one day we can uh, take out uh, brand awareness uh, Super Bowl ads and just tell more people that we like to make people happy, and that would be a dream of mine. But <laughs> we're we're not there yet. I, I suspect you'll get there. Man. I, I, I would bet that uh, someday, maybe maybe JP can have help leverage this. Someday, yeah. Flo is going to be riding. On a Janus motorcycle in an ad, I can, I could, I could see that maybe. Um, so, yeah. so you're you're talking a little bit about virtual community yeah. uh, in what you do with Janus, right? So yeah. JP, getting back to you on experiential marketing, that's that is a, that's a live aspect, right? That is that's somebody coming in and and creating a physical thing, um, but now it's obviously extended. You know, we we aren't allowed to gather in a pandemic era. We aren't allowed to, um, you know, the the IMS shows are going to change and things are going to have to deal with what's going on. So, um, how is experiential marketing changing within Power Sports? How are you guys addressing that? It's a really good question, and honestly, I think the the guys there and gals there at Janus are doing uh, one of the things that we've been shifting a lot, which is back to this sort of direct to consumer and something we're evolving into what we're calling experience to consumer model. Um, we don't have the opportunity to necessarily get in front of really large, large crowds. And we've had to make some pretty big pivots as well. So um, the nature of our industry is that, you know, we have a lot of strong competition in the landscape and it, it pushes us to constantly evolve capabilities and uh, come up with more trendy and digital ideas. But the problem is, as a personal marketer, it's hard to take some of the stock into like the new trendy marketing things that are happening during the COVID era because uh, there's this tendency for a frequency of overload. People are in front of screens all the time. Virtual events are really expensive to produce and we don't really know how long the interest is going to last because people are, as you guys know from industry data, actually pushing to get outside more, buying more adventure products, buying more camping and outdoors products. So the, the notion that we have these like big new trendy um, digital methods of experiential are kind of battling the data showing that people want to get out more than stay in, right? Um, so a couple of things that we've been working on is um, again, back to that like direct consumer model, the experience to consumer is how are we gonna bring uh, an equally deep experience to a consumer at the place that they live, the place that they're working, the places that they're playing and not just relying on larger events. 
Um, so a couple examples of that, and I'll go kind of all over the board on brands, but um, for Lincoln Motor Company, for example, we've we've hosted Driven to Dine events, which is going to restaurants and offering experiences with the vehicles in addition to the dining experience that they have. Um, we've worked with Dave's Killer Bread to deliver burger kits to uh, to different customers who sign on um, via our digital marketing and ads uh, and they're complimentary and we're sending those out to 10,000 people who signed up for them. And we're working in some of these models for uh, our power sports companies as well, like uh, BRP. We've hosted a, a model called the Defender Challenge, which is one of their off-road products on the Can-Am line, um, where instead of going specifically to farm and agriculture events, we're actually offering some ranchers, farmers, and hunters the opportunity to bring a product to their home, almost like a date night. They have 24 hours with the vehicle. They get to use it in real life applications and then provide feedback after we pick it up and move to a, another party. Um, we, to Rob, to back to your question on the dealership model, uh, we're actually you know, looking to work with BRP in that regard as well and helping um, dealers provide different in-store experience or in-dealer experiences as well as uh, around the regions that the dealers are in. So, uh, you know, it's interesting that the, the experience to consumer, I think that's a that's a fantastic phrase and, and um, a different way of thinking about what it is we're, we're trying to do here. Um, and given that things do sometimes feel kind of trendy and given that marketing products is selling to a more and more cynical audience. Um, I don't think any of us would disagree with that, that it's, it's tougher to get people's attention. Um, what specifically is sort of working for, for Gen Z, um, millennials, and, and I'm Gen X, right? I'm 53. Uh, and so you know, we're the new boomers in the sense of of being empty nesters and having time to do that. But we absorb information in a different way because we were born analog and we will die digital. Only only uh, you know, Gen X is is largely that. Uh, but but millennials and Gen Z consume digital in a, in a in a voracious way, but they also um have a relatively short attention span in that regard. That's not just a broad statement. That's just, I mean, that's saying that like it's it's hard to capture their attention is what I'm trying to say. So w what sort of tactics or what sort of uh, challenge do you see uh, in in measuring that success with uh, millennials and, and Gen Z? Man, you're going to start me off on a tangent on this one. <laughs> um, I'm actually a, a millennial probably on the later side, I'm 34, but I'm also a self-proclaimed critic of millennials just because of all those things that that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, I Let me start with this. So the motorcycle community is, is super vast. Ironically, it has the feeling that it's tight-knit, that it's single culture, and it's got this club mentality. Um, that's great in a lot of ways because it provides an allure and pushes riders to feel more connected and invested in that community. However, historically, it also means that it's more exclusive and less adaptable and less um, acceptable, right? Like the barrier of entry seems pretty high for millennials. Right. Um, so it can be a double-edged sword. And because that solidarity doesn't seem to jive with the younger generation's brand migration cues, uh, which are generally easier barriers of entry, more openness, broader individualism, group expression, so on and so forth, it, it has a huge hurdle for for the motorcycle community. Um, so we all share the same passion in the industry. It's why we ride. It's a little bit different from 
each of our personal stories. And I never want motorcycling to be a one size fits all or an everything to everyone. But at the same time, we have to embrace change and acceptance more or else I, you know, I think the industry's health is probably going to continue to decline. So um, kind of circling back to the initial question, new generations are looking for multicultural experiences. Um, you see that more and more with like festivals and lifestyle. They don't just want to ride a motorcycle. They want to ride a motorcycle and go camping. They want to ride their motorcycle at, at a festival or to a festival. They want to experience food trucks from different cultures at the same event that they're there to listen to music. And I think the generations are now are looking more for uh, these intersections on their passions and hobbies. And that's increasing the value of the experience they're having with each of the products themselves because it's one big memory, right? So I think in the way that we're evolving is sort of designing multiple offerings and nuances for those customers. You don't need to make a massive shift or isolate groups, but you can start to plug and play with some of these components. And I think that's what is so appealing about Janus. I mean, we, we've got... Um, a product, there are multiple products that have a really unique classic uh, look, but they have production model parts. So you're getting some consistency in the actual in the actual vehicles and the performance and all the nuances. Um, but they're also appealing to a younger demographic that's saying you don't have to be just a rough and tumble type of rider. Like there's bikes for everybody. You can have fashion at the same time as enjoy being on two wheels at the same time as feel part of a, a unique club. Um, that's a really broad way of answering your question, but hopefully we always tied back a bit. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, we say, Janice, that uh, some some people think bikers have baggage <laughs> and they don't really want to, uh, they might want to ride a motorcycle, but they might not want to be a motorcyclist or what they proclaim is the, you know, the one size fits all, uh, you know, beard that's split down the middle and uh, all these kind of stereotypes that all of us in the industry know isn't true, but uh, from somebody outside looking in, that's what we've heard from some of our younger writers. So. Grant, I think you're bringing up a great point. And the thing that I wanted to ask you specifically is, is we are, I, f I feel like we're at this uh, crux between old school thought of motorcycling as a lifestyle versus a newer way of thinking about motorcycling as an accessory to your lifestyle. You lead a custom life yeah. already. Uh, and how a motorcycle adds to that custom life rather than just defines it is one of the uh, major challenges for us in this industry because we're proud of what we do. We're proud of these cool things we, you know, we make. And in our imagination, people are, if they're not riding, they're polishing and cleaning up their bikes or they're planning their next trip or whatever. And in reality, there's so many options of things to do out there and, um, and the way the pandemic has sort of squeezed uh, that desire to be outside, that if we sell, oh, every weekend you're going to be motorcycling, that's probably not going to work yep. uh, because you want to do different things, right? We're, we're tired of looking at screens. So every weekend we want to be doing different uh, things. And um, so younger riders from the major OEM side, when I talk to them, that there's a sense that younger riders are looking for uh, sort of practicality, you know, usefulness. Uh, they, don't, you know, just to have something for pure bling doesn't doesn't um, really resonate. Um, and both of you guys can call BS on that if you want to. But well, uh, one, yeah, sorry. go ahead. No, yeah. please go ahead. 
one of the uh, kind of our goals here, uh, kind of undergirding some of what we do, or a lot of what we do, is that you know, we kind of have this. Uh, I believe that one of the things that uh, brought us to make this, uh, try and make this into a company and make these products, is that we uh, don't really uh, buy into the fact that all self-expression has to be driven around consumption. Uh, some of it can be. It can be, uh, you can have plenty of participation thrown in there too. Uh, you know, like a, you don't, I don't, I want to participate in my self-expression rather than just consume as a form of self-expression. And I think that that's uh, maybe a nicer way of saying that uh, millennials or, you know, anybody that's cynical and has some sort of cynicism towards marketing know that they, that, that marketers have it out for them and they just want to go for the, uh, go for the sale. Um, Whereas, you know, kind of a longer play or a, a more holistic approach would be to offer offer people something real to participate in. Not just experience or not just spectate, but participate. And that's, I mean, all motorcycling is about getting on and riding. I mean, it's cool to watch video about it or watch, you know, uh, Easy Rider, <laughs> any any of the classic movies, but the, the real thrill comes from participation. So if you can lower the barriers to entry to participate, even if it's as a fan or as a aficionado or as somebody that's learning about it, I think that uh, that really increases your your chances of success and the, the customer satisfaction and all these things that we really loyalty, all the things that marketers and GMs and all that really want to. <laughs> those are the long term metrics we would really want to measure and uh, hang our hat on. And uh, so that's kind of the philosophy that's undergirded that. Um, going back to your question, the the that's what we focus on is, is making something that people can participate in rather than just uh, look at or which is hard on digital, but we, we, we really try and get people into real life at some point in time. So um, I think, you know, your point about approachability is important because of all the motorcycles you can customize. I think the Janus is probably from a cost standpoint against the amount you can customize in, in, in creating this motorcycle is, has got to be the, you know, the highest like sort of value to custom ratio. Am I am I wrong there? Is that about right? Uh, I would love to put your that block quote on our website. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. And then, um, so I feel good about that. Um, but the so from the perspective of a customer um, who's younger versus somebody who's older, do they sort of generally customize the bikes in a different way? Is there approach to motorcycling that we've been talking about? Does it actually bear out in the product or are they ultimately creating something that's that's sort of similar? Um, and that answer that for me. Question. Yeah, that is a really good question. The uh, We do see that the Halcyon model, which is kind of our classic cruiser, skews a little older. The Phoenix and the Griffin skews a little younger. The Phoenix and the Griffin are more, uh, uh, well, the Griffin especially is kind of the uh, prototypical uh, scrambler model. So it is seen as more utilitarian and something that can take people around. But I think probably the questions that we get from folks are a lot different than uh, based on, uh, you know, generational. Uh, you have older customers in that might have a, uh, Thunderbird that they want to match, or they might have a uh, BMW, an old BMW that they want to emulate the double white pinstripe on, or they want a custom color because they want it, like you said earlier, they want that uh, one of a kind thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, they, they want an object that's unlike any other. Uh, 
So what is the what is the younger customer? Yeah, younger for? customers probably think more about um, they ask more questions about popularity. I would hate I hate to kind of hate to say that because I would fall into that like, well, what's your most popular color? Or what's the mm -hmm. Uh, and then they can kind of say, well, I'm, am I going to take the high road or the ro low, low road? And <laughs> am I going to get the least popular or the most popular? Or they want to, um, and that is a good question. They want to know more about function for sure. Uh, uh, especially if it's a rider that this would be their first or their only motorcycle. And so we have to answer more questions about what kind of roads you can take it on, what kind of uh, maintenance you can expect to do on it, what kind of storage you need. Um, Older riders have had motorcycles before, so they don't need to, or they already, already have a, a garage full of them, so they don't need this to be the, the one and only. Um, hmm. I think that so, when I hit the question, that is the first time I've ever had that question, and that's a really good one. <laughs> what kind of, uh, how does that skew differently based on generation? But I think that's that's about right. Um, based on yeah, I, th I, th years. I think part of what you're hitting on and we, we've hit this in prior podcasts is that you have to be willing to have a longer conversation with the younger demographic because there are there are more sort of open-ended questions or you have to fight through assumptions that they may have to that that may lead them astray yeah. um younger jp also oh, sorry um go please go ahead the answer to that would be younger folks we know uh i, I can i'll hang my hat on this that we get way more orders from our younger demographic that are it's ready to go and they've watched every single video 10 times through they've looked at every build that we've put on instagram and they've made their mind up older customers like a more traditional sales experience they'll call and they say i've got a couple questions about colors or can you do this or can you do that um younger uh, we really try and have a lot of educational material before the sale not even after sale support stuff but before the sale Here's all the options on a Halcyon. Here's what you can get. Here's an example of this color. Here's an example of that, because we all want to do our own research and uh, kind of figure things out before we walk in the door. We are a little, I'm a little more uh, sales allergic, salesman allergic, even though I've been one before. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely a hundred percent aligned with everything that, that Grant is saying. I mean, it's also about where, where we're looking to intersect these, these specific customers in the younger generation. And um, it's equally, like you mentioned, Rob, it's equally the the industry itself needing to battle with trying to break down stigmas that have been created for a hundred years um, to start accepting some of these newer customers and creating those lower barriers in, of, of entry um, as it is going to where they are learning about them and how they're consuming information. And that is, you know, this new generation of working through Facebook and social media outlets, uh, having products placement in esports and video games and movies like Tron where we see the Ducati and things things like this where we know you know content is expanding on a on a constantly evolving basis but that's where this this community and this culture is looking to get their information and their data from before they even think about purchasing and they do put a lot more time and investment into stylizing and customizing individualism is a massive new new um, and evolving trend with the modern generations and they they want to put that effort in because a lot of products um, in other industries are giving them that ability, that that customization, like with Nike and um, creating your own appearance and who you are. And we look at other brands like Cake, for example. You know, I mean, a few years ago, it would be very difficult for the the motorcycle industry to accept an electric product, let alone an electric um, off-road bike 
blended motorcycle product that really didn't have a place in the motorcycle community. However, those brands and brands like Janus that are creating the, that customization, personalization aspect are really the ones that are going to help build the bridge between where the younger generations are and where the industry needs to be with them. So I really hope that other brands and even riders, even 70-year-old and 65-year-old riders um, that are kind of set in in their own place, start to help accept and understand that stuff in marketing because there's that is really what's going to propel this industry into the future. JP, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. Can you name off, if I was, if I was looking at brands as a stock portfolio, um, as attached to a younger generation, can you name off a few brands that are, are doing exceptionally well in their communication or in their product to a younger generation? There may, may or may not be power sports, but those brands who are getting it, which are the ones that are sort of inspiring you? Which ones are you watching? Man, I, I really don't know from from a stock standpoint. But no, no, no. Are, I'm saying that's like if I want to sit and invest in my attention towards who's doing this the best, right? You know, who? What comes to top of mind for you? You mentioned Nike. Um, I think that they're. Uh, custom shoes program. I think Vans, I think, has a custom shoe program as well, and uh, uh, and Cake and their approach. But but what what other brands kind of trigger that for you? Yeah, and I'll, I'll speak specifically in in power sports. And um, I'm not necessarily that saying that these are are my favorite companies or that they're best by any means. But things that companies I think are doing it it well. Um, I've already mentioned Janice a million times. I'm not trying to blow smoke. Grant, but I do love your products. Uh, they're awesome. I love that, that classic uh, English and European style um, product. But you look at products with a low barrier of entry, and we think about Royal Enfield. I mentioned Cake. A lot of the um, a lot of the new electric bikes that are coming out. Um, I even think of uh, of brands like Progressive because they're not a manufacturer, but at the same time, they do a really good job of targeting younger audiences and moving every few years into a different direction instead of sort of staying in this concrete position. Um, Adidas is another another big one. We've done a lot of work with them in the past where we're we're doing a lot of like hyper-localized city uh, activities and, and sporting opportunities for kids, for at-risk kids. Um, and we're, we're giving them an opportunity to work with local artists from secret walls and, and sort of building experiences around their town, the food from their town, the artists from their town. Um, the the actual uh, athletes from their town that come and make appearances. Um, so some of these other lifestyle and CPG brands, I really think are are brands that the the motorcycle industry should look to. Not only because they do a really good job with uh, the younger audiences, but because we seem to trail them. Right, like we seem motorcycle industry seems to trail some of the big changes that. Uh, lifestyle brands are making with their demographics and their audiences, and the, even the auto industry um, is is slightly what I would consider ahead. So I, I hope that we can um, start learning from other brands outside of the industry and and how we need to evolve this this culture. So JP, if you're chatting um, uh, with a deal, how would a dealership sort of apply that you know a dealership's not going to come in with a multi-million dollar ad campaign or you know that kind of thing but how does a dealership um apply that perspective into their brick and mortar or their operation that's a great question um i i actually think that there's a chance depending on how the whole covid thing shakes out 
um, that we may see more investment to the dealers from from corporate headquarters as well as more investment from the dealerships into the communities because we will probably at least for a year or so see less opportunity to get in front of huge audiences, right? Like that's at sporting events, at rallies, at big lifestyle events like Coachella. Um, we're probably going to see a little bit less of those opportunities come. So hopefully some marketing dollars get shifted to the dealer level, to the um, the region level. And I think that we're hopefully going to start seeing more um, in-dealer experiences, more product showcase and interactive experiences uh, around products that are placed within the dealership from different brands, more demo opportunities at local trailheads, more support for um, you know cleaning up local trails and supporting the community and families that don't want to reach too far outside of their comfort zone during the pandemic. So maybe there's more uh, partnerships with um, with local retailers, local um, lifestyle icons, more influencer marketing uh, to reach younger audiences, and so on and so forth. Well, that's awesome. I have one last question, and this is the question I ask everybody, uh, and this is to both of you guys. So uh, um, we just squeezed a bunch of uh, knowledge out of JP's sponge, so I'm going to turn to Grant here uh, to answer this first. But if you had all of the American dealer base in one room at one time, and you could speak to them and say a few sentences and give them your advice or perspective about um, the motorcycle industry and selling to a younger audience. What what couple of sentences are you going to say to these people? Let's pass great. it to Grant first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can think through that. The uh... Uh, I feel like I have a lot to learn from the, the wealth of knowledge that <laughs> the American dealers, uh, all motorcycle, de I mean, I love going to, uh, to bike shows and talking to these guys that I, in, in, I just met the guy that started the first hog chapter in Indy earlier this year. And he's been, you know, selling Harleys for decades and decades. And it's so much fun to soak up that knowledge. But uh, if I had one uh, thing that I could say to those folks is that uh, I wouldn't take anything for granted in terms of what your next customer knows or doesn't. You know, we've had limited success. We're still growing. We're still very much in the early stages of where uh, we would love for our company to be and to grow into, but we've had great success with uh, not assuming anything from our customer and uh, talking, giving people an opportunity to participate in our company and our brand and our story and listening a lot and uh, being informational and teaching. And that is, I mean, that is just really basic stuff. We're not trying to uh, win any, uh, any marketing awards or advertising awards. We just wanna uh, be accessible to anybody to come and participate in what we're doing and participate in what we're trying to build and uh, teach people along the way. And I think we've had some great success with that so far. Excellent. JP, brother, your turn. I'm going to pain you with another long-winded explanation. <laughs> and I, I, want to, I want to start this one um, with just a little background on Match because I know it's probably tough for OEs to uh, hear someone talking who's not, who's not so rooted in the industry that I work for a manufacturer, right? Because I don't. Um, I think you know we have a lot of experience working with clients ranging from Spam to McLaren 
events Sturges to Coachella. I think that helps bring a lot of insights outside the power sports industry to create innovations and nuances for our clients. And something that's maybe even equally important is when we select teams to work with our brands, um, we, we are all invested in the lifestyle. So I have been a writer since I was 13. The teams that we select to be it, it helping our, our ideation come from all different departments, but at the same time, we have those who are checking the boxes, who live in, and breathe this every day. So one of the recommendations I would give to the OEs is, um, I have three of them. One is just learn from other industries, younger and more modern companies, creatives, uh, such in, in, in agencies as well. I mean, kind of a shameless plug, but um, when you have a, an experience with other industries, it's easier to help bring ideas that haven't already been done and to propel us forward. Um, the second thing would be supporting young, new, and growing brands within the industry. They may be vastly different than what we feel is classic and, and modern, or sorry, um, old school motorcycle, but they will be the ones to drive change at a grassroots level for the audience. And I hope that no matter what your perspective is on motorcycling, you want the industry to continue thriving. So I think that um, accepting those newer brands is going to be a big part of creating the new culture as well. And then finally, I would say shake things up. It's it's really hard to refrain from jumping on trends or quickly pivoting just to make a quick buck, especially during the pandemic. But there's a huge opportunity right now to pause, rework some strategies, some products, some teams, giving attention to some of the stuff that we might have neglected off the housekeeping list for a few years. Um, authenticity is a way to to really reach this audience. So unique offerings and brand positioning are going to be that that level for them and seeking better understanding of what these common lifestyles and shopping behaviors and social media interactions are, so on and so forth. Um, and then finally, I just want to thank them. Like we have the utmost support and appreciation for everything that the OEs have provided the community over the many, many decades and the amazing products that um, they spend tons of time engineering on and make it possible for us to access and ride. So. Uh, definitely want to give a kudos to everybody supporting the industry. I would second that. There you go. Look at that. Consensus on the dais. How about that? Um, so uh, I'm going to end our, our segment here. I want to, uh, I want you as an audience out there, I want you to think about how you are shifting your tactics to talk to this new audience. How does apply that or how to apply that to your dealership? how to apply it to your brand. Uh, and also I'm gonna put the added task because I think Progressive does a really good job of this. And I believe that that Janice totally gets this, but how do we all elevate the category of motorcycling within the work that we're doing, making motorcycling more approachable for everybody? So. I'm going to thank our guests today. JP Stacy is account director at Match Marketing Group. He's also a closet Janus fan. And Grant <laughs> Loganbaugh, general manager for Janus Motorcycles, who will be twitching at his desk waiting for JP's order to come in. Uh, uh, the I'm customizing it right now. <laughs> yeah, he's tweaking it right now. I can't wait to see what that looks like. But uh, the upcoming e-newsletter coming to an inbox near you is going to feature articles. We're going to dive deeper into these discussed topics. Um, please subscribe. Check that out at continue to continue. The, I'm going to say that again. Please subscribe. Check that out at continuetheride.com. Our next episode of Center Stand is a favorite topic of mine. This has been an amazing conversation, but the next one coming up, it's how to keep kids riding and bridge the gap from youth 
to teen into adulthood in power sports. I want to thank everyone for listening to episode number four of Center Stand, the podcast for the motorcycle industry brought to you by the International Motorcycle Shows. Folks, we will see you down the road. Mm-hmm.